just a moment, we're going to take up an offering, our offering for the day, but uh, as we move into today's, you guys can keep playing softly if you like, I like when you do that, make it seem extra holy in here when we do that, so. the, uh, we, we're going to be discussing the topic of worship uh, today, um, you can be seated for a minute because I'm going to read the whole chapter 5 of the book of Revelations, which is only 14 verses, but... Um, then we'll take up our offering. As, as we talk about these things, as we think about, consider uh, the topic of worship, what is worship today is what we will talk about. Um, I think as we're worshiping, as I hear you guys singing and singing back to God and the Spirit is moving in this place, I want to put these thoughts in your minds that come from John the Revelator in chapter 4, or excuse me, chapter 5. It says, Then I saw the right hand of him who sat on the throne, a in the right hand, who sat on the throne, a scroll with writing on both sides, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty, mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll, even the book inside of it. Now, before I go on, remember that John, the Apostle John, is the one that Jesus said he loved. This is the one whom I love. He's now isolated on the island of Patmos, Patmos uh, segregated because of his faith in God. And in, in, in this instant, as he writes the book of Revelation, and as we are thinking about these things, as, as we know that we are towards the end of things, Jesus could come back anytime. John is seeing this vision of what's about to come in our lives. Verse 4 says, They wept, and I wept because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See the line of the tribe. Of Judah. The root of of David has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. John goes on and he says, Then I saw a lamb looking as it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by four living creatures and the elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into the earth. And he came and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat in the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and you are worthy to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe and every language and every people and every nation you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth and then John says then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands, ten thousand times ten thousand, 
and they encircled the throne and the living creature and the elders. And in a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb to be who was slain, to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea, all that is in them, singing to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and forever. And then the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and they worshiped. Take with you this morning as we enter into worship that picture of the lamb being slain. And I'll explain a little bit about the seven eyes and the seven spirits later, but that's not the point we're trying to, to make this morning. Those are all good things. I know they sound kind of freaky, but they're kind of, they're good things. They're, it's symbolism. But understand that that scroll is about what God is to do as he comes back. He's laying out the rest of Revelation for God to interpret and to write. And as we think about these things, there's nobody on earth, in earth, under earth, here, now, forever, worthy to open that scroll but the Son of God, that Lamb who was slain. As they open those scrolls, as they think about these things, it's because of Him, as we think about these things, it's because of Him that we worship. Understand who He is. Understand why we have an opportunity to be in this church this morning, raising our hands if that's what you do, or, or falling on your face, or praying, or sitting. There's no right way to worship. Well, there is, but we'll talk about that. But demonstrative, you worship however you feel led to worship. If you feel led to come down here and pray, or, or just, you know, last night we were in here praying, and in my worship, I lay underneath the cross while people are, are praying. When they're done praying, they come up to help me get up, and then they anoint me at the same time because they see I can use it. So, But it, it's just getting into the presence of God, understanding that you are born again, blood-bought Christian. You have the hope of heaven. No matter what situation you are in this morning, where you are at, God is there. His Holy Spirit is here, as always, wanting to manifest himself wanting to show you, wanting to lead you, wanting you to know about his love and his grace. Let's pray for the offering. Father, this morning, I thank you for these powerful words and this powerful book called the Bible, and especially in the book of Revelation, as we contemplate what John is showing and telling us about the vision that you gave him for the end times. Lord, I think about these things, especially as I have come off my news fast and begin to watch the news again and, and I see the chaos and the, the just the the, the the polarization is even worse. The evil is even worse than when six months ago I turned off the news. And I think how glorious, how wonderful it is that we serve a victorious God, that we won't be caught up in this chaos on earth. And we won't be caught up in this because we are a part of the kingdom of heaven here on this earth. And the only reason we can be here is because your son came down, took on the human flesh, went to the cross and died, shed his blood, because your word says there can be no remission for sin, sin without the shedding of blood. Because of your son's blood, the perfect and spotless lamb, the one who sits at the throne, 
takes this scroll and worthy we are here and we have hope we have hope for those around us father as we worship this morning i pray that a part of our worship is our tithing and our offering we realize that we're not just taking money from people to keep lights on we are doing this to honor god with obedience we'll talk about this in a minute honor him because your word says that we should give a tenth of what comes into our household, what is income, because it's right and proper. It's a part of our worship. Not the last ten, not the middle ten, but the first ten. It's a, it's a statement of trust. It's a statement of commitment. It's a statement of worship. Here, God, take this tithe and teach me how to live on the rest and use this tithe to grow your kingdom. Father, I pray that you have your hand upon the person or people that are giving this morning. I pray that they understand they don't have to stop at a tithe. They can be and do whatever they want. But realize, and, and Father, I also say that I know there's some here that don't know a lot about tithing yet and understand that. And Father, we, it's not about money. I, I pray they know that this morning. It's about obedience. It's about furthering the gospel in this world while we're here. I pray a blessing over them this morning. And I pray it in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. Join me again in prayer. Father, I thank you for the day that we have before us. I thank you more importantly and more over the presence that is in this place today. The atmosphere that is, is taking place is the power of your Holy Spirit being poured out upon a, upon a church as we seek to find more of you, as we seek to, to worship you, Father. We come in here and we give you our praise. And we give you glory and honor. Father, we, we lift our voices, we lift our hands, we, we lift our hearts to you. We know that, Father, we serve the one true God, the one who created creation, the one who hung the, 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 the earth on nothing in the blackness of space, who created galaxies and, and, and uh, outer space farther than what we can even imagine. And, and I've seen, Father, people study that and talk about how insignificant of a planet we actually are in some of the greater creations that you've made out there in size comparison and power. Of. Father, I thank you that we can come in on a Sunday morning and get before you on our faces. We, we can, maybe we've had a long week this week. Maybe there's tough decisions. Maybe we're battling an illness. Maybe we've lost a loved one. Maybe... Uh, uh, there's broken relationships or brokenness. Maybe we're addicted. Maybe we need a job or, or we need employment. We, we're struggling somewhere. But we can come in here and I, I think of uh, uh, the words that Pastor Dave always uses when I get frustrated. And he, he just reminds me, God is bigger. Today, Father, I remind us all, God, that you are bigger than anything that would come to exalt itself against us in the form of evil, Father, that the enemy could bring towards us. 
Lord, I think of, of Job who, who lost everything. Everything was taken. Not because he was sinning, not because he was a righteous man who could stand before God, who praised God every day, who praised your name, who sacrificed. And you, that Satan came to challenge. And God said, have you considered my servant, Job? And you allowed Satan to have a foothold. Not really even a foothold, but an opportunity for destruction in all that surrounded Job, except he couldn't take his life. Satan thought he could take Job's worship from him. After all was lost, everything, 10 children, one of the richest people in the world has lost everything. His binds are torn down, everything is gone. He says to you, yet though you slay me, though he slay me, still will I trust him. Father, I pray that we have that in our hearts. And you're working that no matter where we're at, that we will praise your name, that we will lift you up, that we will worship you because of who you are. Because of what you've done in terms of eternal life and salvation even when it doesn't seem like the blessing is upon us let us worship let us know that you know what's best for us father i pray that you just pour out the remainder of this congregation on this time this morning as we seek to understand a little better about worship father continue to have your way in this place i pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Children are dismissed to junior church. We have any this morning. When we read that passage and we talk about uh, worship this morning, when we think about these things, when we um, come into his presence on a Sunday morning, as I read the scripture, there's a few things that we need to understand about worship, that we need to, not that there's a right or a wrong way to worship. If you want to worship and you want to lift your hands, as I said, you lift your hands. If you want to come to the altar and pray, you want to lay in the aisle way or at the altar, whatever you want to do. I see people smile, but I've seen that happen when God falls on people. I've seen people just, I've seen I don't, I've seen, I've prayed with people, I've watched people laying all over the place and, and seen that, not from me, but from God's power. Do we understand when we walk in to worship, to a worship place, a house of worship, a house of prayer, as we talk about what is worship, we need to understand a few things, I think, key things. Next week we'll talk about why do we worship. Worship can be misled. We can have worship that's not truly worship because we get off track, we get away from the things of God. When we worship God, we have to understand. I know sometimes when we are in the moment, it can be an emotional 
situation and, and we can be overcome by the ambience that's taking place in the church, that feeling. And there, there's nothing wrong with that. But dig deeper. Grow into that. Understand that when, when, when that, that, I don't know how it hits you guys or how the Holy Spirit hits you guys, but I begin to kind of shake. It gets hard sometimes to hold my note. It gets hard to, to stand up and walk because the power of God gets so rich and thick. Then he gets into my heart. He gets in my mouth. I get a little bit loud sometimes as we're coming. And, and, and then there's times when I'm in my truck going to or fro, driving down the expressway. I hate the expressway. People laugh because I'll drive back roads and take make it 10, 15 miles out of my way to get someplace, as long as I don't have to drive on the back road. But you turn on, or on the expressway, just because it's, that, that, to me that kind of represents the busyness, the chaos. Plus I drove in it for 30 years down there doing construction. I get out into the woods or into the gravel, and it's just the, the leaves and the, the beauty of nature, and you plug in uh, some praise music on your radio, and you crank it up to where the kids are looking funny at you when you finally do make it in town, because Here's this old dude, and he's bumping up in his truck, and uh, it's worship music, and, and you got tears running down your face. Oftentimes, I got to roll down the window because I'm too tall. I can't get my hands high enough in my truck. I try not to put both out. But God just meets you there. You don't have to be in church to worship. Some of the most powerful worship you will do is when it's just you and God. Some of the most powerful worship that you will experience is when you're in the most difficult place that you thought you never would be, but God shows up and shows up. And, and, uh, and you, you, just when you need him the very most and you think it's all but over, he shows up. And he pours himself out upon you. There's times in worship when I don't say a word. I don't move. I can't move. I'm stuck in just sitting. I can't. I just sit there and, and it just comes in. And music sometimes. I worship in silence often because it's something we don't hear very often. Especially if you have kids or grandkids. But you don't just hear. But you can sit in the stillness. The Bible tells us to be still. And know that I am God. That's a type of worship, just sitting there. One of my favorite places, I have a lot of favorite places, I say that all the time, I just like to worship. It, it, it gives me energy, it gives me strength, it, gives, uh, it pours out power. One of my favorite spots is in the, late in the middle of the night, 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, in the dead of winter, when I'm out hunting coyotes. It has nothing to do with killing coyotes. That's a bonus. But, <laughs> but I've, you sit out there, you go out when it's as cold as it can, that's the best time, and the moon is shining, because I don't have all, I can't afford all the lights that they got and all the, the new gadgets. I just got a, a sharp stick, and I go out. No, I have a gun, but I go out, and I, if I could do it with a sharp stick, I would, because that'd just be something cool to do. But... You go out there and it's, it's dead quiet. Everybody's in bed. Nobody's around. You can't hear the You can't. It, it, it's just quiet. I love it because you see the little, when it's crystallizing, the, the air, the moisture in the air, and it's falling, and it's dead quiet. And you're just out there. And it, it, it's so beautiful. 
I've actually been in worship and actually got so peaceful. One time I, I fell asleep out there in, in the middle, and it was, it was freezing cold. And yeah, you, I could have ended up a popsicle out behind John and Lania's house. They would have come, I had to come out and drag me in because I'd be frozen stiff as a board. But it's just getting quiet, getting before God, getting to know him, allowing him to, a few things. I'm not preaching like my notes are telling me that I had down here, and that's okay today. That's, we're going to do it this way. And I've changed things, and, and I, I, the service, they have a hard time, but that's my prerogative because uh, it's just the way it works. The, uh, we do have some uh, um, clips from Vacation Bible School. And we have a testimony that I want to share, and we're going to do that at some point today, maybe. But today, we need to understand, because this is powerful for us. When we worship like we were this morning or are this morning, when people come in, when Mitchell quits singing, I love when he quits, not that I don't like when he sings, but that's why he's here. But when he quits, and just your voices go up. I heard that when we were doing Set of Fire. Everybody quit singing up here, and, and your voices got louder. And we're, we're singing to God, recognizing that he's the reason. We're, if, if he's not the reason we're here, then why are we here? What are we bothering to come to church for? If he's not the first and foremost thing in our life, if he's not the center of all of our attention, if we don't understand that it's only by him that we have this hope of heaven, it's only by him that we have eternal life, it's only by him when we pray and when we seek his face that we get an answer, it's, it's only by, the only reason we're here, we have a building, they didn't use that building, but the reason we have a church is because he started the church 2,000 years ago, he brought it into being so that we could worship him. So why do we worship God? Why, what's misguided worship? When I read this passage this morning out of Revelation chapter 5, and there's a great deal in that book. Revelation is, is um, a tremendous book to study. As we read this book and we understand as we look here, like I said, I'm not going to go deep into interpreting and, and preaching about what, what is, uh, uh, everything means here, but I want you to understand that the, uh, uh, when you, you hear this lamb, seven horns and seven eyes, that's the all-seeing, that's symbolic of the all-seeing nature of God. You can't hide from God. He sees, he's, it, it, seven because they use the number seven in the Bible because that's the perfect number, six days creation, and then God rested. Seven is a perfect number in there. He has seven horns that go out, the seven spirits that go out. That's his, the perfection of Christ's spirit that goes out into the world. The, 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 there for us. The horns are a symbol of, of power and strength. That's from the Old Testament. And here's a thing, as I studied this week, and I understood this uh, a little bit better, um, well, I guess I understood this, but I didn't really hadn't put it in context yet. When, in what I'm establishing here is who are we worshiping? Or why do we worship God? What, what, 
causes. We hear people talk about, oh, he worships the ground, she walks on her, or she worships the ground, he walks on her. They worship the ground, their kids. We hear that kind of stuff. We, we you know, um, there's a lot of things which I, I realize that it's just said sort of in slang or in, in passing, and, and we don't really, sometimes, most of the time, we don't really worship the ground, but there are things. Let me tell you what happens when you're talking about worshiping the ground, somebody walks on it, worshiping somebody else. That's because worship, it, it's truth when that person and, and, and our outpouring towards him exalts himself over God. Nobody, husband, wife, nobody. It's God first, always. Then family, then husband and wife, then family. That, that's the order things, then work. Those are the order. Part of the reason we struggle to, to worship at times is because we get that order out of balance. Career comes first. Fun comes first. I, I only get so many days and this is my day off. And you can worship. You don't have to wait until Sunday. As I said, you can worship anywhere you want. You can worship in the middle of a freezing cold woods if that's what turns you on. God will meet you there. But we get those things out of whack. And, and I'm just as guilty as, as anybody else of getting too busy. And I, I recently read a book about prayer that uh, talks about when a pastor is too busy to pray, to find time to pray, that just doesn't make sense, number one. That's what we do, is pray and seek God for the people of our church. And if you get too busy, you've got to reevaluate. Not about just doing, being with people. I, I, I love being with people, but you've got to have time. And you've got to take time out to just get before God and get a word. But when, when things exalt themselves, when they become more important, you see, we have no way out of this life alive unless we believe in God. Unless we believe in the work, even farther than just believing in God, a lot of people believe, a lot of people know God, a lot of people have a lot of knowledge about God, a lot of people will tell you they're a Christian, and, and I'm not here to judge, I got asked this question someplace, probably Thursday night I would imagine in our study, we have some pretty uh, interesting discussions at the Bible study, but, um, and I say this, it's not, and I learned this a while ago, because I worry about what's going on in people's lives, God said, that's not your problem. Your problem is to just love them. Teach them how to worship me. Teach them how to walk with me. Teach them what's in my word. You don't fix anybody, preacher. You just do what I tell you to do. And when you get into that place where it becomes free, this is not our faith, our relationship with God is not a performance-based relationship. We're not trying to, yes, we're trying to do the next right thing. We're trying to be... Uh, we're trying to grow in grace, grow in our depth of Christ, but we're going to screw up along the way. We're going to sin along the way. That we're, we're, what happens, we can't allow that to take us out of fellowship with God because fellowship with God is what this is all about. We worry about checking off the next thing that we've done and, and this and that. What God desires is us just to come before him and worship him. He can do what we're doing. Yes, it should, is it good? I'm not saying don't quit what you're doing. Do we need Sunday school? Yes, we need Sunday Do we need tithers? Yes, we need all of those things. Musicians and, and janitors and whatever takes place. Yes, we need them. 
and God calls him out and gives him that. But that's not why we're here. We're here to get before him. When you look at this passage and you see that in here, they, they have the scroll. John is there and he's, he's like, well, who is worthy to open this? Can you imagine being there? The 24 elders, I believe, are the, 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 they're representing the 12 tribes of Israel. I know this. And the 12 apostles. Which ones, I, I believe it's the apostles that Jesus walked with and the, the leaders of the tribe. I don't know exactly which ones those are because probably the originals, I would imagine, but that doesn't really matter. But they, they, they are there, and, and, and these guys are sitting around the throne. The picture is the Father has got the scroll. He's about to, to say, in, in short order, down in the book of Revelation, Jesus is going to rapture the church. This is sealed. Nobody knows what's in it, and there's nobody to open it. And the only way that this can take place is if somebody is worthy. And then they see, John sees the Lamb. The only one that is worthy to open that and to proclaim what's about to happen is Jesus Christ, the one who come to save us from our sins. When they realize that, that he's the only one with enough power, with enough strength, with enough wisdom to do that, they fall down and worship him. It says, I have a, um, a dictionary definition here. It says, uh, reverent honor or homage paid to God or a sacred personage. That, this is not uh, out of my commentaries. This is right off of the uh, website dictionary, whatever that thing is called, dictionary.com. But sacred personage, that part troubled me because that's what the world gets stuck on often. Or any object regarded as sacred. That's sometimes what we get stuck on. Any object regarded as sacred. Our church becomes, building becomes sacred when we try to change things or do things differently. And we end up in discussions, we'll call them, over those type of things. Sacred personage, we have... Um, there's a lot of false religions who focus on other personages out there. True worship really can only consist when our God, the creator of heaven and earth and the universe, is the one that we worship. The rest of this is false worship. We talked over the past couple of weeks about the spirit of Antichrist as opposed to the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon us. There's many being led off path in this nation, in this world, away from God. And I, I will make this statement. Many times uh, in our very own nation, we are being led off away from God. John says this. In, let me finish with this. The second definition was a formal or ceremonious rendering of such honor and homage. Homage. Adoring, three, adoring reverence or regard. John writes about Jesus' journeys in, in his gospel. In chapter 4, we know the story about the woman at the well. A Samaritan woman 
There's, there's much that goes on here that causes us to look at this. Samaritans and Jews are, they, to, to be honest, they're, we're polarized about like black and white are in this day and age, to be honest with you. Jews despise Samaritans. Samaritans were lower class. They, they had no part together. So, plus, and this is also a woman coming out to the well. In biblical times, uh, women oftentimes, I, I, this is not, let me give you this, I don't believe this is what Jesus or the Bible intended to teach, that women were second class or children were second class citizens. But in that, because um, I believe God, I believe you are just as important as men. But in that context, in that time, uh, uh, in, in some places still in the Middle East, we all know that women aren't seen as equal to men. And children aren't seen as equal to men. So when we're looking at this context in here that, that John is talking about, here's a Samaritan who, is, who, who, who has no business even talking to a Jew, and she doesn't realize she's talking to the king of the Jews, the, 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 the greatest Jewish rabbi that will ever be. He's also a woman to approach this man in this cultural time that's not cool either. And she comes and she begins to talk. And she, Jesus asks for a drink. I love the way that Jesus sets things up when he uh, is about to share. I, this is hard. Did he witness about himself? I think he did. He testified about himself. I think that would be a testimony. But when you think about that, Jesus is trying to figure out how he's going to break the ice with somebody to share the message that he has for them. It's kind of funny, actually, because I think about these things and conversation starters and so forth, and, and he's Jesus. I mean, so he's at the well, and the woman, he, he asked her to draw him a drink and if she'd like a drink, and he, he tells her, he said, if you knew who you were talking to, you'd realize that if you drink from the well that I provide, and I'm paraphrasing this, of course, if you drink from the well that I provide, you'll never thirst again. Because from within him, he's talking about, comes rivers of living water. Water is an important situation or symbol in the Bible because we can go for months without eating or about a month without eating. We can only last, I see people laughing, no, I can't go that long, but the, uh, I'll make it to about noon and then uh, we got to do something quick. But, but water, you can't last very long without water. I can tell you that here, here's just a little observation that I've taken on this summer throughout this heat with some of the stuff I've been doing outside. Um, I get tremendous leg cramps. They're, they are horrible. They lock me up. I scream. Not like a girl, like a man I scream. But <laughs> I want to make that clear. Sometimes it might be like a little girl. I don't know. And if you can believe this is the picture when Bonnie's there is a I have her take my legs and straighten them out and pull my toes back and then push my legs straight up over my head trying to stretch that out. They actually get so bad this summer that I get bruises on the outside of my leg from them. And I think, I drink iced tea, I drink coffee. My iced tea is kind of like water. It should keep me hydrated, but it doesn't. And now I've learned a, a, a lady that Bonnie is friends with says you've got to guzzle water when you feel them coming. Just and drink more water instead of. I have I've got tired of the leg cramps. I 
My leg cramps are so significant, I even made it one of my passwords on my computer. And I'm like, you can't forget these things. But, the, but, but because of that water, that takes away that pain. That's just a, an importance of our body not having enough water. When Jesus is talking about rivers of living water coming from him, and we, we don't last very long without that river of living water pouring into him. And you can't withstand being under that living, uh, river of living water pouring out. When you feel that, and you, when you get a hold of that and it gets a hold of you, you can do nothing but worship God when you begin to understand that. John says, Woman, Jesus replied, Believe in me. A time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You see, you Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. This is important, this part. It's all important, but this part is really important this morning. Verse 23 says, Yeah, a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in the spirit and in truth. We talk about in the spirit. Many times our worship is misguided in our churches. And we go places and we see, I've been to other churches, and the music is fantastic and the light show is dazzling, and sometimes they even have the, the fog machines in this world. And that's all wonderful and great, and I don't care about that. We've had the, the, I don't know what, the interpretive dance stuff. I've seen that. And there's all these ways to worship. But if many times what is happening is we're at a concert for 45 minutes, and we are, we're not really, we're worshiping the people on the stage and their abilities. And we're there because what happens when the music shuts off and things go, can we keep worshiping? Are we there worshiping God or are we worshiping the people on the stage? Are, are we worshiping the process? When I very first met Pastor David, he come here, I was scared to death. I wasn't really scared to death of him, but he made me very nervous. He still does when you're out with him after this long. You never know what he's going to say. But, the, um, but when he came, he comes from a big church in I don't. I've always been in a smaller church. And I know when I go to big churches, they, they got things right down, you know. And I don't care what time, obviously, we, how we do things. I, I make people crazy. Mitchell can say amen because I switch things up and do what I feel led to do, what the Spirit leads me to do. Dave, I seen him. He was sitting over there where Judy's at. He, he was here. I seen him look at his watch once. And uh, uh, this was years ago when he came. I'm thinking, oh man, I'm probably making a mess here because the Spirit was here that day and I just let him have his way. And we stayed in prayer. And, and later on I went out and I talked to Dave and I said, you know, what do you think? Because you have to ask that question even though you really don't want to know. But the, you ask it and um, he, he told me a couple things and he said, you know, the favorite thing I like that I've seen the best thing is you let the Holy Spirit run your service. You're not choreographed. You do what he wants. If you decide to change something, you change it. If you decide to, 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 to switch up and preach something different, he, he said, I've never seen you look at a clock. I said, I can't see that fire anyway, so it doesn't do much good. 
But we're here to praise God. We're here to worship God. When we look into this, we talk about worshiping in spirit. You can't truly worship God unless you're a born-again, spirit-filled believer. Are we spirit-filled? Yes, some some are are, are sticking their toe into the realm of the spirit-filled Christian. Some are immersed in the water. Some of us have been drowned and brought back to life in the spirit, so to speak. But we can't worship on our own, in our own, because God has put a, a, a deposit, it says in Colossians, of his spirit in our hearts to guarantee, to seal us for his ownership. That spirit also draws, that's what connects to God, our spirit and his spirit. We must worship in spirit and in truth. We must be able to understand what, what, what is going on around about us in a spiritual dimension. That it's not just what's right in front of us. Even the chaos we see when we turn on the news and we see the, the attacks uh, from right and left and the polarization of, of the colors and the, and the different, you name it, the stuff that goes on, you have to be able to see past that into the fact that's not just people. That's a, that's a, that's a hell of a battle going on from in the spiritual realm because hell is pouring everything they got out upon us, upon this world, upon this nation, I believe, because I believe we're getting closer all the time to the return of Christ. He's got all the guns out, and he's blazing at it, and he's doing the best he can to separate and divide and create confusion, to create hatred, to create uh, 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 disunity, to, to break us down. To, you know, there, there's even talk sometimes of civil war in, in our nation. We, we, are, we are not that far from being one of those crazy Middle Eastern countries that we're going at it with each other, right and left. That's exactly what the devil, and we're doing it right now, although we don't have guns. And Satan is backing that, and he's pouring gas on the fire every chance he gets. But when you come in here on Sunday morning, and you get before God, and his spirit begins to fall on you, and you get empowered, and you realize when you're out there that I have the power of Christ. I come in and I worship. I'm one with God. I'm one with his spirit. His spirit lives inside of me. That's what it's about being. If you're a born-again Christian, if you've asked for forgiveness, you've repented, and you're doing the best you can to live away from your sin, and you've asked God for that, his spirit comes and lives inside of you. That's what we are worshiping. That's what causes us to worship. The power of God continues to get poured in. And it has to go somewhere or we would explode. And so when, when that power gets poured in and more and more, it, it overwhelms us and it comes out as we pray homage and we, we adore Christ. We realize that he's the reason we're even here. Even beyond going to heaven, he made us in our mother's rooms. He knew before we were even conceived. He knew before time was even conceived that we would be here this morning talking about worship. He knew somebody needed to hear this message. He knew what you would look like. He knew what he would call you to. He knows when you will leave this earth. He knows whether you will come to him or you'll go elsewhere. He knows all of these things. He holds. I always think about the the song, Jesus loves the little children of the world. Red, yellow, black, or white, all are precious in his sight. I think about the other one. He's got the whole world in his hands. 
We sing that as a little kid song, but see that as an illustration of who we worship. Yes, he allows this evil to take place right now. He is permitting it. He's not causing it. Can he overcome it? Drop of a hat. If he says you don't have to do that, I don't want you to go through that, he can wipe it out. Satan does not have enough power to override God's decisions. Does he let us go through some things while we're here on earth? Yeah, because it was all uh, fairy dust and cotton candy, we wouldn't learn anything. We'd be spoiled. That's part of the reason we're in the trouble we're in anyway. It's because we're spoiled. Very few of us, we, we have wants, we, we lack sometimes, but we're not going to starve to death on a street someplace because God, that's not gonna, just, just not going to happen in this country. When we go through those things, I talked a little bit about Job as I prayed. When we talk about worship and spirit and truth, our part is keeping, of, of being in spirit, is keeping our spirit in the right place. He does that, but we have to seek him. We don't do anything, honestly, to tell you the truth. I get asked about, you know, is this right or that right? I'm like, look, I, I don't care who's right or wrong or what's going on. I mean, if you want to talk to me, that's fine, but God just tells me to love you. He doesn't tell me and to lead you and to guide you. He doesn't tell me to point out what's wrong with you. He'll take care of that. You too can work that out. You need help, come and talk to me. I'm just here to love you and pray with you and walk with you and teach you his word. But we've got to keep our spirit in the right place. So when we're down, when we're going through something, that's when some of the most powerful worship takes place. If our spirit is in the right place. Many times when something happens, we get overwhelmed. We get overtaken by grief, despair, whatever. We allow the enemy to come in and kick our teeth in because we're not taking care of our spirits, not where it needs to be. We're not uh, 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 trusting God to take us through uh, wherever we're at. As I said, think about Job. In one day, there's this conversation up in heaven. Things are going, let me, um, let me say this when we talk about worship. Worship is what took out one-third of the angels in heaven. Lucifer, we had Gabriel, the messenger, Michael, the, the warring angel, and Lucifer was the angel of worship. He got big on himself because he could worship. There's things that when you look at Lucifer and you look at some of these things, uh, uh, he was built out of worship, if you can understand that from in a spiritual dimension. He got up there and he thought, hey, I, I'm pretty good at this. I might be better than God at this worship stuff. And that's where one of the problems, that's where his big problem began. Because he wanted to draw people to himself. He wanted to be worshipped. He, 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 he didn't, he wasn't doing it to bring glory. When we worship, it's not about us, really. It fills us, it builds us, it inspires us, it feeds us. But it draws people to God. When the atmosphere in the church is worship and adoration and love for God, people, that grabs a hold, that's magnetic. Lucifer 
thought he could get it for himself, he took out one-third of the angels they chose. Worship is a choice as well. You have to choose to worship. When you come in to the church, and like I say, things aren't going well, you're going through a lot of whatever it is, you come in, you can sit there depressed, and, and, and I'm not faulting you, I'm not picking on you, you can be upset, you can be mad, you can be angry, you can be scared, you can be whatever. But you must choose when that music starts, or the prayers start, or the Spirit just descends upon you. Am I going to worship? Or am I going to allow God, or the enemy to, to hold my worship down? Job, and one day, Lucifer goes to God. God says, imagine this conversation, if you can, this, this scene. You're in heaven. You're, you're just a fly on the wall. The Father is on the throne. The angels are surrounding him. Angels created just to worship him. Day and night, they, they fly around him. And they're saying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. This is going on. Lucifer comes in to speak to God. Satan was there, it says in the book. Michael and Gabriel are there. Uh, Lucifer comes in. And God asks him, he says, where have you been, Satan? Satan says, I've been to and fro on the earth. They have this conversation about worship and about will people really worship you or are they just worshiping you because their life is good? It's basically the conversation they're having. Job had, Job had 10 children. Job had houses and barns filled to the brim. Job had animals on top of animals. Job, every morning, the Bible tells us that Job would go out and sacrifice animals, 10 animals every day to, for the, the wealth of each uh, children in behalf of the, his God. He was, the, Job basically worshiped God continuously. Satan says, well, it, it, you know God trusts you when he says this. Have you considered my servant Job? Now I like being the favorite at times in certain places. But God says, did you consider my servant Job? Satan says, He'll curse you. Give me a shot at him. I'll get him to curse you. He does it because you take care of him. Let me have a crack at him, and I'll get him to curse you. Jesus, uh, Lord tells him, okay, you can't take his life. Imagine Satan wringing his hands. All right, I got this guy. I got full reign. All I can't do, I can't kill him, but he's going to wish he was dead when I was done with him. Satan goes. Job is doing his thing. All of a sudden, one of his servants come in and tell him, your kids were having a feast. A tornado came. I believe it was a tornado that killed the children. And it collapsed the buildings. All ten of your children are dead, Job. On the heels of that, another messenger comes in and tells him, Job, all your, your massive wealth was sheep and goats and, lamb, and the, the animals, massive wealth. One of the richest men in the world. They've come and they've taken all that. All that's gone, Job. You no longer have that. Next one comes in, all in one day, all back to back. Next one comes in, all, your, all the grain, all the stuff you had, all your buildings, all your wealth, everything's gone, Job. You're broker of the Ten Commandments now. You're done. 
You, 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 you have nothing left. Satan in the spiritual is, is wringing his hands. He's thinking, I got him. What's he going to do tomorrow morning when he goes out and wants to sacrifice and praise God and, give, and worship his God? He ain't got nothing to worship with no more. I took it all. Job goes out the next morning, and, and this is my paraphrase. This may not be exactly the way it's written in there. This is Pastor Tony's uh, New International Version of the Bible. So, I like it colorful. I color it up a little bit with a little hillbilly style. Job goes out. Imagine the devastation. All ten of his kids gone. Everything gone overnight. Standing out there, and he's like, God, I'd sacrifice, I'd worship, but I'd burn, cut a goat and burn it on this altar, but I don't have any goats left today. I, I, I'd offer a grain offering. I'd, I'd offer something to you and praise your name, but that's all gone too. I'd, I, I'd bring my children in, and we'd sing songs and, and spiritual hymns and pray and, and be together and worship, but they're dead. There's nobody. It's just me, God. Enemy's sitting there, and he's thinking, here it comes. He's going to curse him. Job says, yet, though you slay me, still will I trust you. See, Job knows even before. Think about that, because Job, this is Old Testament. There's no Holy Spirit in there taking care of this. This is Job on his own accord. Fast forward up to us. We have the Holy Spirit. But Job knew that this stuff wasn't it. He, and, and I'm not saying kids are, are dispensable. I wish they were returnable. And we could get like new ones once in a while. Like the warranty's up on this one. Can I take it back? Yeah, this is not what I was thinking I was getting when I had this one. So uh, can we do a little exchange? That would be nice. He trusted God. Imagine after that, didn't his three friends come? Imagine being Job. Sitting there. He's tore his clothes. He's, he's broken. He's, he's desperate. Now three of his closest friends supposedly come up and they sit in a circle around him for seven days and nobody speaks. Trying to figure out, where did you screw up, Job? You must have screwed up someplace. I'll say that in King James. You must have screwed it up someplace. Makes it a little more holy or something. And they begin, after seven days, they begin to try to figure these things out. Job's wife even comes out after a while, and she's like, and, and, and don't, we, we preach, we talk about Job's wife like she was some evil witch that come out and said this, and, and imagine any one of you, we don't, most of us don't have ten kids. Thank the Lord for that. But think about losing all of your children. Where would your mind be? I, I, I've lost a couple brothers. I know kind of what that feels like, and I've experienced my mom going through the loss of, of two of her sons, her youngest sons. I've had to walk the family through those things. 
Job's wife had a legitimate beef. Just curse God and die. The emotions, women are more emotional than men. The emotions would overwhelm her. It would be, and Job still didn't do that. Job would say, bless, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job would continue to worship God. Satan would be defeated. God would replace everything that Job had lost and then some. And then because he stood in righteousness, because he didn't turn his back on, on worship, on God, but he continued to worship God, to love God, no matter what in his life happened. I've only used two paragraphs of my sermon so far. But we're getting close to being done, so we can come forward. Romans chapter 12. I'm going to do the video. We'll do the video of the kids after we're done. And I'll do the testimony uh, next week, if that's okay. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, Paul speaking, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. I didn't spend a lot of time on truth. We must worship in spirit and truth. As we move towards the close, I want to talk to you for a second about truth. Thy word is truth. Jesus says in John chapter 14 and 6, he says, no one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way, the life, and the truth. Jesus is the truth. We, we, we try to water this down at times. We try to make it more palatable. We, we change it. We, we do what we can. We, we, we have churches that, that will only preach the parts, the good stuff. I've actually heard pastors talk about cherry picking because they want to... And I, I want you to know I'm not trying to, to beat your brains out every week. I'm challenging you. I'm challenging you because most of you haven't only but tasted what God has for you. You, you haven't, and sometimes it's fear that we would step out into the unknown, into the spiritual dimension of things. And then just when we say, yes, God, whatever you want, we open the door. To whatever God wants. We see how that worked out for Job. I see how it works out for people. But here's the truth. God worship, we worship, it desires worshipers in spirit and in truth. The words of this book are true. If we try to take, it says in here, woe be to anybody that would change a, a jot or a tittle in this thing. We, we don't need another version. We don't need another interpretation. What I'm saying, the, the versions are, are good. I don't need a guy over in Grand Rapids a few years ago preaching that love wins. God would never send anybody to hell. That's not the truth. Love does win. That's why God gave us a place 
to come and to seek him out. Love always will win. We don't need pastors picking out this. I forget who I was talking to. They don't hear much about spiritual warfare in churches. We don't talk about the other side of things. We have preachers that preach only the good stuff. God does want to bless you. God, if you can handle the blessing, God will pour it out upon you. He'll open. He says, try me in this, Malachi 3 and 8. If, if it, it, this is tithing, but this is obedience. See if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing so big you can't contain it. That may not be money. That may be your, your, um, your health. I'll tell you what it is. It's your worship. He'll pour out a worship on you so big that you can't contain it. Because I, I, I'm just serving God. I'm walking with God. In here, and I'm being obedient. And he opens the window and he pours it out. And I get to walk as a blessed man or a woman or child on this earth. I have a power in me greater than Jesus said. You can do even greater things than I did here on this earth. Most of us don't want to deal with that because it freaks us out a little bit. But God says, I'll pour it out on you so much so that you can't even contain it. It'll blow you up. And if we would walk in that blessing, if we would walk with that type of abandonment to, to the call of Christ in our life, if we would worship in that way, worship God. He says in, in Romans that your, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Surrender your life completely to God. That is a true and proper act of worship. Believe in the truth. Be committed. One of the reasons we don't, we're not committed to God once, every three, once a month we show up in church someplace. We want to worship. I'm all for vacations. I don't mind being gone once in a while. But you need to get in a church and, and get yourself planted and take up some roots and get busy in there. You want to worship somebody, lead somebody to Christ. Be a part of that. Get to share the gospel. Realize the work that's happening because God is using you as, as, a, as a messenger, as a conduit to, 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 to do his will, to help. We get to save lives at times. We don't, but God uses us. If, if we're willing to step in and do something, the club has, has stepped in and done stuff in a lot of people's lives. And I, I, there's testimonies in there. Guys, we're going to shoot themselves. But they come to the club, and they got through it. People come in, they come in, they go out, but they're getting a taste of what's going on. God is in that place. Maybe not quite like this yet. They haven't turned me loose yet. I'm being nice still. But the, he is there, and all it's going to take is the right person to catch it, the right fire, and there, there, there'll be people... There's a ton of Christian people in that club. And there's a ton of people that come in there trying to understand, figure out who God is. And how are they going to figure that out? They're going to come worship with us. They're going to see how much in love we are with Christ. They're going to see our hands go up. They're going to see the tears come down. They're going to realize that everything we got is poured out on God. It's our true. That we believe in here what this says. We're not using it to beat you into submission and judge you. We believe this is the way God called us to live because this is the best way to live. And we get to go to heaven. 
think about that sometimes. Don't you? Sometimes more than others. I'm like, God. But this is what I often think I get to do. This is, I got the coolest job in the world. It ranks in the top five for the most stressful, deadly jobs in the world. It's actually, I've seen it. It's up with the president and things like that, being a pastor. But I got the coolest job in the world. Even if I only ever led one person to Christ, it would still be cool. But getting to see what I get to see, getting to be a part of what I get to be a part of, getting the, the, the privilege people ask, you know, don't you, how do you do it, Pastor? How do you put up with everybody? I say, sometimes it's not easy, but it's, most of the time I just recognize what a privilege that I have. I was a, 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 a punk kid headed to prison or death in my addictions 27 years ago. I was an idiot. And a lot of other things you can say. Now people come to me, they, God has turned me into something different. Well, how do you deal with the tragedies? I, I, I'm there because it's a privilege to be there. To have God use you like that. To people, when somebody dies, that, uh, this is the most important, intimate time in a person's life. And they pick you to lead them through that time. Or a difficult time. They pick you, they come, I need to talk to you, Pastor. I don't take that for granted. And it's not me that does anything, it's the Holy Spirit. I'll be praying with people, and I'm praying along, and God will give me the words that I need to say. I actually hear it. I do still hear voices, voice, not voices, voice, God's voice. And he'll give me a word while I'm praying. I, a couple of weeks ago, I texted a lady, and I said, that just happened to him, I said, I, I, you're on my heart today. I've been praying for you. I don't know what's going on. I'm just hoping you're blessed. Protect. I seen her later at a meeting, and she just, she said, you have no idea what that meant at that time. Right down to the very minute. And that's just God. And we get to worship Him. I'm out of time. We might talk about this for a while because I kind of like it. I, another wrench I threw in for the band was I want this song to close with. Can you do that? I think I called them on Friday. Yeah. Sure, Pastor. They'd tell me sure if they didn't know it, they'd figure it out. But as we stand and worship in closing today, and we sing this song, we, it, it is a huge, tremendous privilege, like I just said, to walk on this earth and to be, to be a part of people's lives and guide them spiritually. I can't tell you what that's like. I, can't, I don't even know how to explain that. And it's not just for me, it's not just for preachers. You can also do that if you will just surrender yourself to God. He'll put you in a place. If you say, use me, God, He will use you. I get to see a lot of things, good and bad. But I... I I forget where I was or I was praying the other day and, and God was just giving me this vision 
of walking through the gates of heaven. We see in Revelation how it's, how it's laid out, the stones, the, 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 uh, the gates are made of pearl, the streets are made of gold, the, 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 the foundation is uh, precious emeralds and jewels, and we walk in, and, and sometimes we, I wonder, you know, because we, we struggle sometimes in our churches to worship. And I think if people, like I said, I don't care if you lift your hands out. If you want to stand on your head to worship, I don't care. Just get your worship on. Uh, if, just keep your clothes on. That would be nice. And other than that, anything goes. I mean, because I get hot, I could rip my shirt off and we could go shirts and skins and then we could, but anything goes. But think about this. When all this is over and we walk through those gates, If you can't worship here, I don't know what you're going to do when you get to heaven. That's going to blow your doors off. This song speaks to it. I can only imagine. Will I stand and praise? Will I fall on my face? What will I do? Will I run to Jesus? Will I even be able to move when I get there? I, I see walking through the gate. I, don't, I think I'm just going to stand there like this for a while. I, I'm going to wonder. You can keep playing, John. I really like that. It helps. It's the extra holy anointing on the preaching. There, It's good. I like it. Music, worship comes through music. Angel, Lucifer was the angel of worship. He dealt with the music. Music brings us into an atmosphere of worship. When we stand there, I, I don't, I, I still, I'm gonna, I know I'm going to heaven. I have that, I hate when people say, I hope I make it. I know I'm making it. I know as long as I keep walking where God has me walking right now, I'm in. I'm not worried. I pray for more time because I don't want to go yet. I don't want Jesus to come yet. I know we pray for that. People look at me and say, you're a crazy preacher. And I say, I got too many people going to hell if he comes today. I'll stay. If you'll let me, I'll stay after he takes them back. As long as I get guaranteed I get to go when we're done, I'll be one of the 40, 144 if you'll let me. I'll keep preaching. Because what he's brought me from to where I'm at Think about that. The thing is, we need to live our lives here today. We need to understand that we are a part of the kingdom of God. When we give our lives to Christ, we are born again, blood-bought Christians. We are a part of the kingdom of heaven. There is going to be a dramatic address change. Way for the better. Get that in your head and then live like that here on earth. Get that picture of walking through those gates, seeing the face of Jesus. You think it gets hard to walk from your seat to the pulpit when the Spirit gets on you. I don't think I'll be able to stand. I think I will just probably lay prostrate for a while. I might be a little worn out. I might I'll probably be taking in some deep breaths like... That was quite a battle, but look where we're at today. Amen. Let's sing this song. I could keep preaching all day on this, so I'm going to quit, and we're going to sing.
and this altar is open. Praise God with your worship today. Worship in spirit and truth. Let him have you in these next few moments. Just erase anything. Your lunch plans, your afternoon plans, whatever you got in your head right now, wash that out and just get in front of God. Just like you were walking through the doors, the gates, the golden gates, streets, pearl gates, streets of gold, jewels all over, the people that you love the most that have gone on ahead of you, standing there to greet you, Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father, saying, well done, thy good and faithful servant. You may enter into your rest. Your battle on earth is over. You have succeeded. I have poured out my grace on a cross. You get to go to heaven for the rest of eternity and live with me. No more crying, no more tears, no more dying, no more sickness, no more little kids getting, getting abused, no more, no more drug addicts overdosing, no people dying with heart disease or, or cancer or any of those things. It's all gone. It's only perfection in Jesus. Think about that. Live like that on this earth. All right, start singing before I start preaching again. Father, we just thank you for this powerful day. Worship from start to finish in this place this morning. Lord, we love you. We worship you. We adore you. We are so blessed to have a, a, the privilege to come into your presence, to come before your throne, to bring our prayers and our, our petitions, our needs and our wants, our desires, our hurts, our pains, and trust that you hear every prayer. Trust that you will answer them in the way that is best for us. Father, as we sing that song and, and the voice is lifted, I, I, I realize the anointing has come and is upon this place. In a more, in a growing, in a more powerful place, way. Not just this place. They say this place. I mean these people. Your church. Us. We are your church, Father. Pour out that anointing. Allow us, because that's when your anointing falls and we realize it. That's when we're truly able to worship. To return our praise to you. To allow people to see us worship and, and sing like, like we might be standing at the gates of heaven. Father, I pray that when we, whenever we come into your presence for prayer, for, for, for preaching, for study, for whatever, when we're listening to the music going down the road, when, when somebody cuts us off and we want to get angry or, or somebody hurts us, imagine in, in, in just the right time that we're standing there in front of the pearly gates of heaven waiting to, to step in and I, I, that does so much, fills us, Father. It gets pretty easy to forgive that person that just cut us. I, 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 you're all right. I don't have to worry about that traffic because I'm just about to step into my worship and into my heaven, into the presence of Jesus. It's okay. I'll be praying for your driving skills and, and, or, or the argument that we had or whatever. Be, I, I, you can't get at me because... I'm in the presence of Almighty God, filled with the love and the grace of His Son, the Lamb who was slain, so that I might have salvation 
and eternal life and a hope, not only for me, but for everybody around me. Father, I thank you this day. I don't, I, don't, I, I got to close because you, I, your spirit is on me and I want to just keep going. Father, I pray a blessing over each person that's here. I pray that this is on their heart today. This has been powerful. I pray they tell somebody about it. Say, hey, you gotta, you got to come down there because God is starting to move in that place in a way that's pretty cool. He's doing something. We're worshiping him. Bless us and keep us. Take us safely to our homes, to our restaurant, wherever we're headed next. And just let us, let us have a holy glow about us wherever we are at today. Let people wonder what is wrong with that person there. They, they, they might have lost their mind, but no, you're full of worship and praise in God. Thank you, Lord. I praise your holy name. And all God's people said, Amen. You're dismissed.